Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. I want to read my text today. We'll get into the Word of the Lord. just have one verse I want to read out of Acts 4. Verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we might be saved. This morning I want to preach on a subject that I believe that if we understand it, if we get it, it can impact our lives in a profound way. I want to preach to you this morning on the subject, no other name. There is no other name, no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I've told this story before, but I'll say it again. I am one of three siblings. I have an older sister and an older brother. And then I am the baby of the family, and all the baby of the family say amen. Amen. The preferred children in the family. We get that. We get that. My sister, her name, Angela Marie Ellis, when she was born, Angela Marie Ellis. My name, Thomas Matthew Ellis. My middle, my brother, who's the middle child, middle of the family, his name, Joe Ellis. He got no middle name. His name isn't even fancy. It's not even Joseph. It's Joe Ellis. My parents claim that they somehow forgot to give him a middle name. And so in school, Teachers would say, what's your name? Joe Ellis. No, what's your full name? Joe Ellis. No, we need your, all your names. Joe, it's just Joe. And so he, he became known as Just Joe. Because when a child is born, the right thing to do is give the child a name. You identify them. It makes them personal. It makes them a person. And so you look for ways to give them an identity in life. And it's kind of the scenario, this is my brother Daryl, this is my other brother Daryl. You want, you want people to have an identity that sets them apart, a name. And some of you have gotten creative with how you've named your kids, and 
Some of you have just borrowed names from family members and those kind of things to honor certain family members, and we all go about it a little bit differently. But names many times are used to identify character traits or something you might want for your child or to identify them in some way. Certainly in Scripture, names were given to reflect certain identity. And Mary in the Old Testament, or Miriam, was a name meaning beloved. And uh, Elizabeth means my God is my oath. And Naomi is pleasant. And Abigail, my father, is joyous. And, and Leah is tired or fatigued. I, I don't know if that's right or not. It's probably true. Yeah. Noah. I think we have a few Noahs here. Means comfort or rest. And Solomon, peace from God. And Reuben, behold a son. And Benjamin. Y'all know that Andrew is Benjamin. Means son of my right hand. You're the powerful son in the family. Nathan means he gave, gave nothing. <laughs> and Matthew, Matthew, gift from God. Tyler, where you at? All the Matthews unite. Gift from God. I, and Kristen often calls me Matthew. She often calls me Matthew. Gift from God. But humanity doesn't just name people, but humanity has named gods. And you look through Scripture, Molech and Adar and Baal gave names to God. What we understand is that we serve a God who wants to be known. And so God wanted to identify himself as the one true God. And so he used names to reveal himself. He wanted to identify himself outside of every other God. One of the clearest examples of this is found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. It said, Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Moses is being tasked with leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he knows that he's got to go to the children of Israel and try to explain to them why he is the leader and why God is going to do this. But he understands he can't do it by himself, and he needs God's help, but he needs to identify the God who is telling him to do what he needs to do. And so God says to Moses simply, I am who I am. He said, I want you to go to them. And the name that I want you to tell them is, tell them that I am who I am. He said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. 
And so, moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord or Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. He said, I want you to know that I am going to come, and I am going to be the I am. In other words, I am going to be the I am that is the I am. I am the one who is becoming the one. I am the one who is going to fill the gaps when there are voids and empty places. He said, I am who I am. In other words, he would say and signify that if you are lost and you need a shepherd, I am who I am. I can fill the gap of the shepherd. And when you're in gross darkness, I I'll be the I am. I'll fill the gap of darkness and become light. He said, when you're hungry, I'll be the I am. I'm the becoming one. I am that I am, that I will be the bread of life. I'll be your sustenance. I'll be your strength. And so he said, I will be your Lord, and I am that I am. And so throughout the Old Testament, and you're probably familiar with some of this, but what we need to understand is that God would reveal himself and he would give him them characteristics of himself in his name. And so there are terms like Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. There's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. The Lord, our Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. And he would call himself the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the sanctifier, the Lord, my shepherd, the Lord, our righteousness, the Lord who is here, the Lord who heals, the Lord of hosts. He would describe himself as the I am that I am, the one who fills the gap. And in his power, he would describe himself as the El Shaddai, the God Almighty, the Lord Most High, the everlasting God. And so the prophet Isaiah would write in Isaiah chapter 7, 14, that God would not just stay as some name, as just some distant name of just providing a distant name, but he said that God himself would come to earth. God himself would make his abode in the earth. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. His name will be called Emmanuel because it means that God is no longer around us, but God is with us. God is here and God is present. So he said, I'm going to give him a name that identifies himself as a God who is present. Oh, hallelujah. And so Isaiah would continue writing and he would say for unto him unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father and the prince of peace that his name would declare his authority and his power and that he would be present in our world his name 
His name would be here and it would represent his power. And so when the time came for the prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament to be fulfilled, an angel came to a man named Joseph who was engaged to a woman named Mary. And he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to Mary your wife for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. That I'm going to reveal a name to you that will allow you to encapsulate uh, why he is here and what he is doing and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. And so he quotes Isaiah and he says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him his wife. And he did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. It identified who he was. Just as your name identifies you as someone unique, the name Jesus was to identify him for what he was to do. And while our names speak to our identity, we also know that names speak to relationship and covenant. And here is what I want us to get today, that my name is Tom Ellis, but my name is not just an identifier of who I am, but my parents gave me a name that identifies me in a relationship with them. My last name, Ellis, is not just to identify me as a unique person. But the name Ellis identifies me as in covenant relationship with my parents. When Kristen and I got married, she took on the last name Ellis. So her name is Kristen Marie Ellis. It is not just an identifier of who she is, but her name identifies her as being in a covenant relationship with me. Can I tell you that God's name was not just a name to identify who he was, but his name was a name given to speak to his covenant relationship to his people. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The Old Testament and ancient worlds, they made covenants with each other. And they would call every god that they could call. They would call all the gods they could call to be a witness to the covenant so that it would be meaningful. But in the Old Testament, God did not need everybody else to show up in order to create a covenant. He literally decided that he would call his name over his people, and that would become the covenant. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses is on the mountain. He's already 
already began to interact with God on the mountain. He received the Ten Commandments one time. He got mad, threw them down, broke them. He's back up on the hill meeting with God. The Bible says that he cut the two tablets and he got up in the morning and he went up to Mount Sinai and he had those two tablets in his stone or had those two uh, tablets of stone in his hand. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 5, the Bible says, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him. He stood there on the mountain with Moses. And what did God do in that moment? The Bible said he proclaimed the name of the Lord. God began to proclaim his name on top of Moses and on top of that mountain. And the Bible says the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And it says that as Moses felt the weight of that name and he felt the weight of that glory that was found in his name, the Bible says that he bowed his face to the earth and he worshiped. Then he said, if now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. And what did God say? God said, behold, I make a covenant. In other words, my name is not just about an identification of who I am, but my name is about a covenant that I make with my people. Oh, hallelujah. We read this same thing in Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. They literally called down. They, they imputed the name of God over the people. And so that's why it's so important when we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, where God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their lands. What was he saying, if a people will be called by my name, if a people will take on my name, I will hear their prayer. I will be in a covenant relationship with them. And so that's why when Jesus came, when God was manifested in the flesh, his name was not just a way for him to be identified, but his name spoke to his desire for a covenant relationship with us. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So there are prophecies in the Old Testament that show how God 
would make a covenant with not just the Jews, but with the Gentiles by calling his name on them. Amos chapter 9, verse 11. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages, and I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. And so it's no accident today that when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ and we repent of our sins, that Peter, in that first sermon in Acts chapter 2, would say, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness or remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is to you and your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. Because it's in baptism where the name of Jesus is called on our lives. But let me help us today. It's not called over you just as an identification of who he is. Yes, it identifies that he is the one who came to save your sins. But I absolutely believe that when you are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, uh, that you are entering into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And just as my dad gave me his name, Jesus Christ gives us his name so that we will have an inheritance in him. And so if you have not been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I implore you today that you need the only saving name that exists called over your life. Oh, hallelujah. Why? Because it's how we enter into covenant with God. So we realize that a name is an identifier. And a name causes us to enter into covenant. What I realize is that the name of Jesus. This is what I felt to share today. That the name of of Jesus without a covenant is powerless. We can speak the name of Jesus all we want. We can say the word Jesus all we want. But let me tell you where the power of the name of Jesus comes from. The power of the name of Jesus comes when we are in covenant relationship with the one who holds the name. I can prove it to you. In Acts chapter 19, the Bible said God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick And the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. 
But there were some itinerant Jews who took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying we exercise or banish you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. But it's not just saying the name Jesus. There were seven sons of Sceva. And they did this. They kept saying, Jesus, come out. Jesus, in the name of Jesus. But it wasn't doing anything. And in fact, the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the men in whom the evil spirit was on leaped on them and overpowered them and prevailed that they ran out of the house naked. And so what I tell you today That the name of Jesus without a covenant with Jesus is powerless. But when we know the man Jesus, when we are in covenant relationship with Jesus, can I tell you the name of Jesus is powerful. Oh, hallelujah. So Mark wrote in his gospel, and he said that Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Jesus said... That if you believe, if you truly have faith in Jesus Christ, you will enter a covenant relationship with me. And it begins in baptism. But he said, those who do not believe will be condemned. And he said, and these signs will follow those who believe. Those who Believed and were baptized. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Because what happens is you and I have to first understand the identity of who Jesus is. But then we need to enter into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's out of that covenant that authority in Jesus flows. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What we realize in that passage, he says, baptizing them in the name, singular name, 
of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when the disciples heard this, and when they applied this, you'll read through all the book of Acts. You'll never hear them or see them baptizing in just some formula or some titles. Why? Because the power is in the name of Jesus. The power is in his name. And I know it's a, it's a, Maybe a, an outdated illustration, but it makes a lot of sense. If I'm going to enter into a covenant or a contract with somebody, I'm not signing it son. I'm not signing it father. I'm not signing it friend. No, what makes it powerful is when I sign my name to it. And so what makes Jesus powerful in our life when his life and his name is written in our lives? And that's why we we're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's why whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of Jesus because there's power in the name. There's power in the name when we are in covenant with the name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can stand with me this morning. There's power in the name of Jesus when we are in covenant with the name of Jesus. And so those apostles said, and there is salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The context of this passage it begins actually in Acts chapter 3. And a man who was lame was healed and began to walk. And the people around those Jewish relig religious leaders began to question how did this happen. The apostle said, it's through in Acts 3 verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name. His name. You need his name. But you have to have faith in his name. You have to have a covenant with him. Faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has been given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And then in Acts 4, after they, this man was healed... Peter and John are thrown into jail because they're creating a stir, an uprising. The Bible says in Acts 4, verse 5, it came to pass on the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes, as well as uh, Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power? Or by what name have you done this? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he clearly identifies him differently than other Jesuses who might have lived during that day. 
by the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah of Nazareth, God manifest in the flesh, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, Jesus. So neither is there salvation in any other. Just as he was healed by the power of the name of Jesus and faith in the name of Jesus, there is salvation in the name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we might be saved. I'm thankful today for the name of Jesus. And I felt compelled to just encourage our church if we could understand this concept. When I call on the name of Jesus, I'm not just invoking some word. I'm not just appealing to just some identity of a distant past. When I pray in the name of Jesus, I'm praying the covenant that God has with me. In the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. In the name of Jesus, sickness has to flee. In the name of Jesus, sins have to flee. In the name of Jesus, addictions have to go. Why? Because of the covenant God made with his people. He called his name down. And like the cloud that came down on that mountain to Moses in his weighty, his name descended on us and said, I will forgive your iniquities. I will set you free. I will be gracious to you. I will be long-suffering to you. So I've come to appeal to a mighty church today. Don't forget uh, when you call on the name of Jesus and when you pray in this room today in the name of Jesus, you're invoking a powerful covenant. You're invoking a powerful covenant that he made with his people. And if my people who are called by my name. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their lands. There's no sin today that is outside of the grace of the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah salvation in this room today for somebody when you receive his spirit you're baptized with fire and the Holy Ghost he's declaring his name he's declaring his covenant with you oh hallelujah God I pray in this room right now Someone, Lord, would understand this concept today. They would understand that your name was given to them. God, to be a powerful influence in their life. 
God, there are those in this room today who were baptized 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Your name was called on their life. But Lord, today I pray we would understand that it's as powerful today as it was when we went down in the waters of baptism. Because it speaks to your covenant with us that there's no other name whereby we might be saved. God, if there's someone in this room today who feels bound by the weight of sin, they feel bound by the weight of addiction, feel bound, God, by the weight of fear. God, we declare your name in this room today. You've made a covenant with us. By faith, Lord, by faith, we can experience all of you. I pray for those who are sick in their body in this room today. God, today we're not just trying to throw out a mystical word. We're not just declaring, Lord, and speaking some word that we hope has power. But Lord, because we know, God, our relationship with you, our faith is in you, we declare your word today. These signs will follow those who believe. God, I declare healing in this room today in your name. The name that is above every name. The name that all will bow to. Every knee under heaven will bow to. We call your name today. In every situation of our life, we speak your name today. God, again, not as a mystical name, but as a covenant name. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.